Look at your history, especially if you grew up in the church. Somewhere along the way, you may have sidestepped, skipped, stepped back from where you know you should be. Perhaps it was peer pressure, perhaps it was popular culture, perhaps it was even the underground culture that exists within churches. Pick a side and go to extremes, but act like you're in the middle, that culture. But regardless, your history is probably similar to the children of Israel. They chose to sidestep, skip, step back, and in some instances, just get off the road God made for them. But His love kept lighting the way back to truth. Regardless of how far you are, God's grace, goodness, and love allows you sight to recognize where you are and how to get back to where you should be. Out of the Gray sings, When love comes to life, the blind will see the light of day. Love, true love. Not the imitation in songs and romance movies. True love is about freedom, about truth, about being connected, valued, and feeling totally at home, even on this earth, because God first and continually loves you. Yes, even you, behind the bike sheds or in the sub, sometimes misguided culture of the church. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome to Sabbath School University. Today I have three first-time guests with me, and um, I'm going to invite you to introduce yourselves. I want you to tell me your name, where you're from, what you're studying, and I want you to tell me one of the hobbies that you enjoy. Why don't we start right here on my left? Well, my name is Irian. Um, I study a uh, master's in religion here at Andrews University, mm -hmm. and uh, I am from the island of Puerto Rico. Okay. I also, I think my biggest hobby is talking. <laughs> I love talking to people, and as long as I have somebody to talk to while drinking some tea or something, I'll uh -huh. be happy. So that's right. the biggest one. Yeah. That's good. Okay. My name is Laurent Grosvenor. I'm from Manchester, England. Uh -huh. I'm here at the Andrews Seminary studying the MDiv program. I'm having a wonderful time here. Um, my biggest hobby is traveling. I love to travel, All right. and meeting new people and whatnot. Okay, that's a, a long trip come crossing the Atlantic. Very, very long trip. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a good thing as a hobby. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, my name is Richard Martin. I'm originally from Tampa, Florida, but my family currently lives in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, I am studying the Masters of Divinity as well here in the seminary. It's my second semester, okay. and I'm enjoying it very much. And um, Pray for me with this cold weather. Like I said, I'm originally from Florida, so we're going to have to make it through. Uh -huh. And one of my hobbies, as well as my friend Laron, I love to travel as well. I hope to be able to touch all the continents at least once, one day. Okay. Uh, still praying on Antarctica. I'm not sure about that <laughs> yet. But um, yeah. How, how many continents have you visited so far? So far, only two. All only right. two. I've been to Europe here, and that's about it. All right. So. Eddie, I'm going to invite you to read our key text for today and then pray. And if you, if you don't mind, I'd like you to pray in Spanish. Oh, awesome. Right. Yeah. 
um, the text in Hosea 12.6 says, But you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. Let's pray. Padre Mante, que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. Te damos las gracias, Padre, por tu palabra y porque hoy podemos estudiarla en conjunto, Padre. Bendice este estudio y que tu Espíritu Santo esté entre nosotros. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén. So, uh, this quarter we're studying the minor prophets. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for this particular lesson, we're in the book of Hosea again. Um, and the title of the lesson, you know, is uh, Love and Judgment, God's Dilemma. Um, now, how would you explain dilemma in this context? Well, it's interesting because a uh, dilemma, right, is when you're basically in a situation where whatever decision you make, there's something weird or something wrong is going to, something is going to go wrong right. there, right? Yeah. right? So whatever decision you make, there's going to be a problem. Um, so love and judgment, right, God's dilemma. If mm. God chooses to love us, or if he chooses to judge us, like, right. you know, what is he going to do? Um, but uh, I would like to suggest that maybe um, the dilemma is not so much maybe God's dilemma, but maybe we create a dilemma there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you guys think about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, mm -hmm. um, when I think of the word dilemma, it kind of carries a negative connotation to it as if you're mm -hmm. choosing between like two undesirables. Yeah, you're between a rock and a hard right, place. Yeah. Right, and to mm -hmm. kind of like you were saying, create this picture that God is between a rock and a hard place as to what to do with us. I think you're right on when you say it may be more of us portraying that on to God as opposed to God saying, hey, I'm in this dilemma, help me out, you know? Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that we maybe give that dilemma to God in right. that <laughs> we sometimes basically tell God, okay, you either love me or judge me, judge me. you know, mm, God, right. because if you do, right. you know, both, then we're a little bit weird, right. you know? Yeah. It's almost like um, people say dilemma, as Richard said, uh, it's like we're in a rock and a hard place, but mm -hmm. God is never stuck. He's never in between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. uh, ours is the dilemma. And with, when it comes to love and judgment, it's as if uh, he wants to give us love and he does give us love, but at the same time, we really do deserve judgment. Mm. 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 And do you ever think that sometimes the loving thing might be to, you know, give a little bit of judgment? Right. Definitely. You know, in, in the sense of, you know, a parent, the, the parent-child relationship is, is often used as an analogy in Scripture for the relationship sure. between sure. God and, and, his, and His children. He calls us His children. And, you know, a parent disciplines their, their children, you know. Oh. The parents may disagree about how you discipline your children, but right. I'm pretty sure they all agree that there is, there's some discipline mm -hmm. that must be involved. Right. Mm -hmm. And wh what is the reason for discipline? I mean... Well, discipline keeps us in line. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes discipline hurts. Uh, sometimes I remember as growing up, I was disciplined and I would cry and I just remember times when I won't I won't tell you what what I got disciplined with, uh, but there were times when I, I just would cry and I'd be upset at the discipline. But I look at uh, how I am now, and every time I make a decision, I'm remembering what my mother was always trying to teach me through the discipline. Mm. Uh, she was trying to teach me things like respect of other people. She was trying to teach me things like uh, tidying up behind myself, mm. and all that came into discipline to teach me for later on in life and uh, now how to live out my life. 
So I, I appreciate the discipline looking back on it now, mm. but I didn't appreciate it when I was young. And sometimes when it comes to God disciplining mm. us, we don't like it at the time, mm -hmm. but later on down the line, we can say that God was disciplining us for our good. Yeah. Yes, I've mm. heard discipline explained as temporary hurt that prevents long-term hurt. All right, yeah. Um, when my parents and our parents would discipline us, they would say, it hurts me more than it hurts you, mm. or I'm doing this because I love you. And in the moment, <laughs> it was like, that's not the truth. But when I look back on it, it was temporary hurt, temporary pain, temporary discomfort that prevents, by God's grace, long-term hurt, getting yeah. into things that we shouldn't get into. So that's how discipline has been explained to me. And I think we get a little bit of that with God sometime out of love, saying, I need to exact some judgment to prevent further straying off from, from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and in my relationship with God, I think that sometimes, for example, um, I pray, God, help me to be like Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. more loving, let's say. And so... Um, I notice that sometimes he has to discipline me mm. because naturally I'm not as loving as Jesus, of yeah. course. And so sometimes I begin to say in my prayers like, Lord, um, aren't you supposed to be loving? Aren't you supposed to be all the time with me? Aren't yeah. you supposed to, you know, not make me go through these things? And so I am putting God in a dilemma, in mm. a dilemma because of what I ask him myself, you know? Yeah. And so... Uh, the discipline is very interesting and the discipline of God is very interesting and in how we perceive it yeah. even though we ask for it then we kind of forget about it yeah. right and don't want it yeah and, um, and now you know sometimes when you're going through difficult situations in life you learn lessons that you probably would not have learned in right. any other situation mm -hmm. you know it, you were telling me about your time that you spent as a missionary in Chad you know <laughs> And uh, from the way that you describe it to me, you know, I, w I would not have wanted to go through that kind of experience that you no, went through. No, me neither. You know, <laughs> with, you know, getting malaria and all of yeah. that. But, you know, while you had malaria, tell us, you know, like, what lesson you learned or, or you know, what did you learn more about God necessarily? Well, in short, okay. I just felt so miserable that I started thinking about Jesus Christ and how miserable probably he felt on earth, you right. know, because um, he left this wonderful place in heaven, right? And he mm -hmm. came to this miserable place. Mm -hmm. And I felt something like that, you know, like I didn't have the commodities. I was sick. It was really hot, it, right. like, you know. And so I felt that maybe I could have learned it in another way, but mm. that was my way that I could identify with Christ in His suffering sure. and mm. appreciate just a little bit of what He did for me. And I wouldn't change that for anything. Mm. And I feel that it was a sort of something that I would call uh, discipline maybe, uh -huh. you know, and I didn't like wow. it, but the, the, the fruit of that discipline now I like because mm. it helps me to be closer to Jesus. I have way more appreciation for Him, and that's what I was praying about all along, anyways. Sure. So, mm. sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, um, one of the texts from from the lesson is Hosea 11, verse 8 and 9. Um, I'll, I'll read that text quickly. It says, "How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim?" My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. Hmm. Now, this text has been described as a window into, the, into God's heart. Uh, how would you explain this? Well, this text, it, it shows us the dichotomy of that on one hand, 
we deserve justice mm -hmm. and judgment and death. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, God gives us life and he gives us hope, he gives mm -hmm. us joy. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that although the wages of sin are death, uh, he still gives us the gift of eternal life. Now, a lot of people would say, see that and they would say that God's, um, God's justice is not as strong as his mercy or his compassion or vice versa. Mm. Yeah. But the reality is that God is in perfect equilibrium in all of his aspects, mm. his justice, his love, his mercy, his grace, yeah. his compassion, his long suffering, whatever it may be. However, he just takes the sovereign decision that although we deserve one thing, he says, okay, although you deserve that, I'm going to send my son to die for you, for you in your place, and mm. I'm going to execute the plan of salvation, and so you can be saved even though you don't deserve it, mm. and so you can live according to how I would have you to live. Yeah. Yeah. And basically what you're describing is there's a, there's a certain fairness to what God does just the same. Mm -hmm. Even though we as sinners are not getting what we rightfully deserve in terms of death, um, that that penalty has been satisfied. That penalty has sure. been paid for, you know, sure. and, and that's why we, we are so grateful to, mm -hmm. to Jesus Christ. One of the awesome pictures that I see in this passage, Hosea 11, 8 and 9, and it's a characteristic of God that isn't often portrayed, at least I haven't heard about it, is a picture of God actually struggling. Mm. I mean, the picture that we see of God from Genesis to Revelation is this God who doesn't really struggle with things. You know, mm. he just can go into nothing and create a world. You know, mm. he resurrects dead people, heals the, all mm -hmm. the sick. But a picture of God struggling, it's like, whoa, you're struggling with the decision. And the decision is between red carpet, blue carpet, you know, <laughs> green sky, blue sky. It's the decision between how am I going to express my love to my people? Mm who seemingly do not respond well to my love. I mean, he has ample evidence prior to this of people who he's, who, who he's loved mm -hmm. and they've ran away from him. So he's in the struggle and it's almost like, God, you know, you don't have to be in the struggle. You're God, you, you can just wipe us out. But he <laughs> continues to just, you know, expose himself to this struggle saying, do I mm. love you? And I mean, the language is poetic. Verse eight, how can I give you up? Yeah. Mm. How can I hand you over? I had a friend, she had a car. Um, I will not name the friend's name, but the car's name was Roscoe. It's a very <laughs> old, accurate legend. I mean, the speedometer didn't work. The heat uh -oh. knob was the cold and the air was the heat knob. She had to <laughs> use appliers to turn on the window. I mean, Roscoe was a mess. And I asked her, I said, you know, why do you continue to ride Roscoe? All the trouble it gives you, it's in the shop every other week. And she said, I don't love Roscoe less because of his issues. I love Roscoe because it's mine. Mm. And I think that's what we see in the heart of God. You know, it's not about your deficiencies or the fact that you're just so messed up. You're mine. Mm. And whenever you're mine, I always struggle with what's mine. Mm. So. Mm. And yeah. something else, sorry, mm -hmm. that I wanted to add is that um, when I realized that people call this verse a window into the heart of God, mm -hmm. I literally went like literally to imagine this window, right? right. And so I was, I was thinking, you know, even in the, in the time of the people of Israel or in our time, I imagine that, you know, we're sinning and we're doing whatever we're doing daily, you know, and we're having all these ideas of God, you know, God is good, God is bad, God mm -hmm. is judgmental, God is not here, God is there, blah, 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 blah. And so I imagine like in the midst of all of that, somebody like literally opens this little window in <laughs> yeah. God's heart. And what they see is, you know, how can I give you up? You right. know, how can I do this? And mm. it's like you said, it's poetic. Yeah. 
And you know that poetry is used, you know, as far as I know, mm -hmm. to describe, you know, even the the deepest emotions. feelings that you can describe yeah. emotions. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, everything is apparently messed up, but you open God's heart and he's just being pure emotions and, and wondering how mm -hmm. can I do that because he is struggling, right, you know, right. with the decisions that he have to make because right. of our decisions. Yeah. It's important to note um, that God is not like man. And oftentimes when someone does something grand for us, mm -hmm. as man, we feel we must repay them back. Uh, but the reality is we cannot repay God back. And there was a, there was a, a old man in my church when I was a year, growing up as a young boy. And anytime he would pray, he would say, um, we, we owe the, we, the Lord paid a debt that he did not owe. And now we owe a debt that we cannot pay. Ah, wow. And because we can't repay that debt, mm. uh, I, I just understand and I love the fact that although we don't have enough money, we don't have enough um, land, we don't have anything to pay God back, all He asks of us that we die daily mm. and that we surrender to Him. Okay. And, and that's just a wonderful uh, paradigm, a wonderful metaphor here about God's heart, how, how we deserve one thing, mm -hmm. but he, get, he pays the price and he, all He asks of us is mm. that we would give Him our heart. Yeah. Now, part of, part of the dilemma that's going on, um, really, is that God wants His people to be restored into relationship with right. Him. But at the same time, they are not willing to give up some of the, the things that right. have separated them from Him in the first place. Right. And so that's kind of the struggle that's also going on. So I have another question. You know, can we see how far we've gone from God? Today, today's Christian world likes to point out other non-Christian people, people who sin. Are we strong enough in our faith to look, our, look at ourselves and at our, at our church and see our falling away from God and do something about it? Well, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. Uh, we really do have to be honest and understand what God's ideal is for us mm. and understand that none of us are perfect, including myself. Mm -hmm including all of us, none of us are perfect. So it starts with being honest, having the proper perspective of your predicament. Mm. And when you have that proper perspective, you will know how to go to the salvific solution, which is Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Okay. I can't take any, um, I guess, kudos or brownie points to myself to say, yeah, you know, I have it all together and I know exactly how to gauge how close or far I am from God. Mm. I mean, my distance perception is horrible. Mm. Uh, we use a term, colloquial term, yeah, it's whack. It's just, it's just, it's horrible. It's broken. You know, I think I'm close and I'm really far. I think I'm far and I'm close. Mm. So ultimately God is the one who has the master perspective, be mm. able to say, listen, man, you know, you're not where you need to be. And I think it's, that being said, I think it's sad that we are so quick to almost gauge other people's distance, particularly oh. those who are not churched or mm. not Christians. I mean, it's so easy to stand on our high horse and look across and say, mm, mm, mm. They don't even know how far they are. <laughs> and it's, 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 you know, Laodicean. You know, mm. you think you are rich and increased with goods. You have no help. In other words, you think you're safe and secure and you're not under any threat of attack. But what you do is out of your window, you go and look at people on the quote unquote outside and mm. say, man, I don't know how God's going to save them. Yeah. And I know I do it all too often. And the Lord is working with me as we speak on those things. Like, dude, you, you, you what right do you have? Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. 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 And I don't know what you think, guys, but I, I agree with you. And I think that it has been my experience too. Growing up in the church, I really, um, 
experienced just growing up and thinking that you know the evil is out there mm. it's somewhere out there you know and I here or there or this person or this whatever you know and so you know it's it's years of that it can yeah. be really dangerous you know because it never it doesn't help you to place yourself in the position where you really are at a right. sinful human being and of mm -hmm. course you're not going to go to the other extreme of being all depressed and without right. a savior but you know there needs to be a balance and i remember that you know years after the lord you know like we were talking started you know a discipline process you know right where I started seeing like, whoa, you know, deep down in my heart, there's some nasty stuff too, you know, mm. it's not like only out there. And I think that's the moment where I know that in my life, God could even start working, yeah. you know, with me. Not that he's done yet, you know, but he could start working because at least, you know, finally I, yeah. I acknowledge that even though I'm in the church, even though I grew up in the church, it doesn't mean that I am a better Right. You know, when it comes to the core matter, I'm not a better than anyone else. Right. You know, we're not. And you know, the the perspective that you describe, you know, looking at evil as something that exists outside of the church, yeah. um, is is really that's the perspective that uh, God's people had. You know, in the context of Hosea, um, mm -hmm. that you know, evil is out there, and you know, everything within here is is good. Um, and and God is really trying to point out to them that you know, well, there's evil within you and within. Mm -hmm within, if we could translate that to today's language, in, within the church. Mm. Um, and so that kind of leads us to, to our next question. You pointed out how we, we really need God's help, um, but why is that true? Why can we return to God only with the help of His grace? Chapter 11, verse 7, huh. uh, the first part says something that is amazingly striking. My people are determined to turn from me. Mm. I mean, it's stark contrast between, you know, where we are in life and where God is. God says, my struggle is whether or not to love you. You guys aren't even struggling. You're determined to mm. turn from me. Mm. You know, it's not like, do I choose God or something else? Mm. And we often portray that on the world or what mm. we call the world or outside the church. And he's like, no, not those people. My people are determined to turn from me. And if that is our determination, if that's a part of our nature to kind of turn away from God, then there's no possible way we can get back to him without the aid of his grace. Yeah. I'm reminded of, you know, what Jeremiah says, you know, the heart is deceitful above mm -hmm. all things and desperately, desperately wicked. wicked. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, wow. it's horrific. Yeah, and I was thinking about something similar. It, it, you know, the fact that we are not sure in God's grace, it gives us a false sense of security because wow. it gives us a security in self, you know, mm -hmm. in oh. me, you know, I'm mm -hmm. doing things fine. But, you know, our real sense of security should be in God's grace and right, His power, right, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And the Bible talks about not just righteousness, righteousness by faith, but righteousness by faith through grace. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very mm -hmm. important to, to notice that uh, faith is a gift uh, by the grace of God. And so this whole concept of grace is the only way that we can make it back to the place mm -hmm. uh, where we came from. And, you know, even within this concept of, you know, righteousness by faith, we sometimes we can even be led to think that, well, it's my choice that that um, is the initiating factor, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but Roman, in Romans 2 verse 4, Paul says that it is the goodness of God that Absolutely. leads us mm -hmm. to repentance. Yeah. So even even our very own impulse to want to repent right. 
is something that's coming from God. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, it's our choice to make, right. but we would not be able to even make that choice were it not for the goodness of right. God. And there's, there's a great hymn that says, I came to Jesus as I was, uh -huh. weary, worn, and sad. And although it's a great hymn, I love it. Um, as you said, it's not us that comes to Jesus, it's God in His goodness that picks us up from the lowly pits of hell that we were. Mm. And He picks us up and He does us off and He plants us on the way and we can go on mm. and have another fresh start. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I see my friend, you love hymns. <laughs> There's another hymn, it says, um, mercy there was great and grace was free. And grace was free. Um, pardon there was multiplied to me. Uh, there yeah. my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. And basically, I mean, God just makes ample provision for us. He says, mm -hmm. you don't have the means to be able to get back. Um, so, yeah, I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wish I could come up with another hymn. <laughs> 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 Didn't come to my mind right away. <laughs> Would have been good. Uh, yeah, I think you represent, you know, some, some people that feel this, this yeah. same way. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Edie, um, some, some have viewed mm. the Lord as revealed in the Old Testament as harsh and unforgiving, mm. in contrast to Jesus as revealed in the New mm -hmm. Testament. But you have this this horrific God of the Old Testament and a loving God of the New Testament. Now, why is that a wrong conclusion to make? Well, I believe that it's wrong because it's just wrong, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I believe, first of all, it's easy to come to that conclusion considering the way that people talk about God in our world yeah. and mm. considering that there are many texts in the Old Testament that it's true, they seem very harsh, you right. know, and they're about punishment and some, uh, you know, justice made, etc. Right. But I think it's wrong because if that would be the only, you know, thing that we would read, you know, yeah. I would understand that, but there's so much more mm. in the Old Testament about wow. the love of God too, wow. mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I would have to say that, um, Another personal experience of mine is that I used to, um, as an undergrad, I did uh, humanities, mm. uh, specifically literature, and you know, most of my um, classmates, they were not believers, and right. I even started, you know, doubting if God existed or not, etc. Yeah. This was some years ago, and what I would hear from all of them would be, you know, yeah, if God is love, why did He kill so-and-so? Why did right. He say that mm. these people should die, etc.? So I was beginning to make this uh, picture of God with a very unbalanced view. Yeah. So when mm -hmm. I start reading the Bible on my own and I start reading, you know, that there's this text, but there's like a whole chapter next to it that talks about the love of God, how he wants to bring you back or about stories like Abraham right. and, you know, stories that are very loving, show you a very loving and kind God. It made me realize, you know, that it's not really like the Old Testament is talking about a mean God, New Testament is talking about a loving mm. God. But I think it's a matter of how um, much we know, mm -hmm. how much we read, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. how much we are right. willing to be open to yeah, when we sure. read the Bible. Because these two aspects of God are, are present, I think, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jose is an ex excellent example of seeing, you know, the mix of, of mm -hmm. both love and, and judgment. And you think of Jesus, he, Jesus is very loving, but he's also very, very frank with, you know, the Pharisees sure. and, and so forth. Now, I know we haven't gotten a chance to get through all the questions that we wanted to, but we're unfortunately out of time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I really enjoyed this discussion that we had here, um, and I would love to, you know, continue this discussion with you, um, perhaps off camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. 
If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. It makes a big difference to the future of this program. And remember that the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.